What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Got Thomas back on for another week. Another week of, because it's funny, like on this show, like we we definitely um, break down the games, kind of, sort of, but it's more so the thoughts around the game. I think that's what we do a really good job. It's like a summary plus a yeah. page. But hey, yeah. before we get all the way into it, Thomas, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Glad to be back on, as always. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to have you back on. We got a lot to talk about this week. Y'all sent that list to Thomas earlier today. Thomas even told me before the season, man, a little list right there. So, yes, sir. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so, without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Because we're done this All right, Thomas, so I guess we can go ahead and jump right into it. I guess we can first start off with uh, Oklahoma, Texas. I'm drawing a blank right now. That's Red River Rivalry, right? Yeah, Red River. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers was back this week, so a lot of Texas Longhorns were excited about this one because they didn't want to – you know, Texas is not the same team without him. They didn't want to, like, lose this game, which now then they get trash talked to by Oklahoma fans for the whole year without their guy at quarterback. Quinn Ewers was back in this game, and they won this one kind of decisively. Uh, Texas won this game with the final score of 49-0. This has got to have been one of the worst um, blowouts of this rivalry game. Usually it's somewhat close, even if the teams aren't necessarily like the as clay. Like, even if Oklahoma's a bad year, they play Texas pretty well, and vice versa for Texas. So to yeah. see uh, Texas go in this game and win this thing 49-0 was crazy. Quinn Ewers was doing what he does, showing why he was such a highly touted prospect coming out of high school, probably you have to imagine this game meant a lot to him, being that he grew up in the state of Texas and then now to be leading the Longhorns as they try to like reemerge to be like a, you know, a powerhouse across the country. So if winning this game to them had to be big for him. I think they have like the state fair going on down there in, uh, in Texas when this game is being played. But uh, Thomas, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, now nah, it was good to see, um, you know, you was back, but you know, I texted you during the game because I, I was just going back to one of the shows we had, um, you know, early in the year or, or um, what was it like week two, week three, whenever Bama played Texas, yep. um, and I was just like, man, you're right, like it's, Texas is a whole other team, um, you know, with you was out there, even though he's you know young, that just kind of shows you, um, how much talent he possesses. Um, and, you know, Sark, you know, is Steve Sarkeesian now they're dialing it up with him back there. Um, so, yeah, man, it was good to see him come back like that. Uh, I agree with you. I definitely wasn't expecting a blowout um, of that magnitude before the game. Um, kind of like you said, we know how these rivalries go. Like, you know, kind of, you know, the team's records get put aside for those rivalry games. And, and you know, it's just bad blood. So, you usually get some good competition. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I mean, I think just the – the story of the whole game is just, you know, it, it shows you how big um, or, or how major it is to not have your starting quarterback, um, you know, in a game like this. Because we just see, you know, Oklahoma just look like they fell off a cliff without having Dylan Gabriel back there, um, you know, when they lost him a couple weeks ago in that TCU game. 
comparing it to, you know, Texas, who we saw them for the past couple weeks with our dares and then getting theirs back, you know, it was just like night and day between the two teams. Um, but nah, man, uh, Texas fans, I'll be feeling real good if I was a Texas fan. Cause I mean, I, I think pretty much, uh, everyone around the country agrees that, you know, Texas would probably have a good chance at being uh, one of those undefeated teams right now in college football if it wasn't for Queen getting hurt in that Bama game. Because, I mean, they had Bama, you know, right where they wanted them for the majority of that game. Um, so, yeah, man, a big win for Texas for show. And I'm, I'm excited to see how, how the rest of the season plays out for them, see if they can, um, you know, keep up uh, this level of play. Yeah, I think after watching this game, you got to start thinking, yo, Texas, well, as long as they have Quinn, probably the best team in the Big 12. And I think just for like a school like Texas who's been down for so many years, it would be so big for them to win a Big 12 championship. Like right. it, it would be huge for them. Also, this gives them like, like okay, they have hope in the future moving forward. They keep having dynamic quarterback play. Then it's like, who's, who's to say? Like you said, they'd be Alabama probably if they have Quinn. And it's like, so while you still in this year, you still hopeful. It's like next year, we got a team. The only thing yeah. is, I'm thinking about this too. That's so unique about this team. They got Quinn Ewers at quarterback. You got Bijan Robinson, who's one of the best running backs in the country. And then yeah. obviously Quinn, the receivers are good at themselves, but Quinn makes those receivers really look a lot better. As you can see, whenever they're not, when they don't have the quarterback, how those same receivers look. So you got to be excited right now to be a Longhorn. One thing I kept thinking about in this game is like, Steve Sarkeesian has his quarterback. This is the guy for his offense right yep. now. The, the other guys are cool. They're talented as well. But this is the guy he he dials up the plays for. And then yeah. they're running at the highest, like, at max level capability. So definitely got to be excited to be a Longhorn. I'm sure Oklahoma fans, on the other hand, you're a Sooner fan. You're like, well, you were just so excited. And then it's yeah. like, what's going on? And I think what's key, too, with these Oklahoma games is you feel like you keep losing the defensive performance. And as we know, Brent Venables is like a defensive specialist. Exactly. So like, because like, I'm just looking right now. Um, Texas put up 21 the second quarter. You know, you think you go in for halftime for adjustments. You come back out in the yeah. third quarter. We're going to shut them out. Hey, we're going to get back to playing sooner and sooner football. They put up 14. And it's like, oh, we just can't stop these guys. Um, yeah. Some of the numbers, Quinn Ewers went 21 for 31 for 289 yards and four touchdowns. Bijan Robinson had 22 carries, 130 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then there was one other thing I had to say, uh, just thinking about this game. Oh, man, I just had it. I just had I can't think of it. I can't think oh, well, of it. I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick. I was about to yeah. remember it after this. But now I was just about to see, you know, I'm looking at that stats right here with you. Um, and I got to give, you know, yours and, you know, sorry credit, you know, obviously, you know, outside of what we saw on TV, just looking at the stat sheet, man, he was really spreading the ball out. I'm, I'm looking at the ball score and I see um, uh, yours through multiple or, you know, completed multiple passes to seven different receivers. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of rare, you know, to see, especially in the college offense, because, you know, college quarterbacks are more, you know, stuck, you know, uh, you know, throwing the guys who they trust to, you know, the most more than anything. So um, that just kind of shows you the maturity um, and just the, uh, you know, amount of playmakers that Texas has to where they're able to get the ball in, a, um, you know, seven different guys' hands for, for more than one catch, each of them. Um, and you had three guys out there receiver core with, a, um, you know, a touchdown each. One guy had two, uh, Jatavion Sanders. So, yeah, man, it's just um, – and, and, you know, like you said, not even to mention, you know, Bijan Robinson – um, you know, out of the backfield, having one of the best running backs in the country definitely opens it, you know, wide up 
uh, for your quarterback to be able to throw it all over the field, you know, and when teams definitely, you know, can't just empty out the box and lock in on the pass. I mean, if anything, you kind of maybe focusing on run first just because you, you know, understand how, how much that run game will open it up for the pass. So, um, yeah, man, it's like they uh, Texas is really coming into any game knowing they uh, got the upper hand, you know, on offense. Yes, and I can imagine as a defensive coordinator, if he can spread the ball, you already have a mastermind play caller. Then if he can spread that ball out all these different weapons, it kind of gives you the impression anybody can get hot in any second. So it's yeah. not like shut this guy down or straight. It's like that guy can go crazy. This guy can go crazy. This guy can go crazy. And you have a quarterback that is in Ottawa from watching elite 11s. One thing you know is right off the river about Quinn Ewers, you have some quarterbacks, those elite 11s, that are super serious. And that is just like they're dialed in 100%. He's not that guy. And I think that part of that is the reason him and Ryan Day had some issues probably. Yeah. Like, oh, he's open. Let me throw it out there. And while he's throwing, he's almost talking to the nether quarterbacks. Hey, watch this. Yeah. He's just a laissez-faire quarterback. And he's talented. He's super talented. I think he's one of the highest rated quarterbacks. It's like Andrew Luck and those upper echelons quarterbacks. So that's just his style. And just to think, man, just I think about this. I wonder how much help it did for him sitting at Ohio State last year and watching. And watching like CJ Stroud and maybe some of his leadership tactics, they feel they seem yeah. like two different types of quarterbacks. But you yeah. have to think that some of that had to help him a little bit. But it's just crazy sure. to think in this day in college football, you can go from sitting the bench at Ohio State, top tier program, top facilities. You leave there, you go to Texas, another top program, big money, XYZ, and you run your own show. And yeah. it really kind of goes to show, too, he made the best move for himself. Facts. Yeah, facts. No, I, 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 I think you're right on the money with that, Matt. Sometimes, um, I mean, you know, you you you've been through the uh, you know, you went through it coming out of high school, going on all these recruiting visits and stuff. You know, you know, the coach is always gonna put on a show, you know, for the players, for the parents. So, you know, once you actually get on campus, get, you know, around the team and practices and stuff, it's not always, you know, the 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 same guy, you know, that you that you met on that recruiting visit. So um, I definitely am, am, you know, agreeing with you on that. Cause I mean, we kind of know how Ohio State is as a program. It's like you know, they're almost up there with, like, the Bama and Georgia where it's, like, you know, we kind of, like, a step down from the NFL. Like, we taking this almost, you know, as if y'all are, like, little professionals out here. Um, and, you know, Texas does kind of seem like more of that, you know, lose, free, you know, have fun type of atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, you're right on the money with that. I, I definitely think he made the best decision, you know, for himself long term. Yeah, so it seems like, hey, he done found his own back in Austin. I remember I feel like a lot of people thought he might end up at Texas Tech where he would have been an air raid in the cell. He ends up in Texas. Seems like the lights are not too bright for him. So like, a, like we keep saying, a lot to be uh, excited for, to be a long call. We're going to keep moving. We're going to stay in the state of Texas with one of these teams, but also the SEC where Texas, as we know, Texas and Oklahoma will be going. A&M versus Alabama. A&M had the best case scenario. Bryce Young <laughs> is out. A lot of turnovers. I'm, I'm like, I know Jalen Milrow is kind of young, and yeah, obviously, like sometimes the quarterbacks have turnovers. Sometimes the offensive line may not block the best and whatnot. But I was not used to seeing like that many fumbles from a quarterback, interceptions, okay. and things that could have been very close to interceptions that just yeah. that did not work. And when you watch that game, you sit there and think, "Yo, that Alabama team without Bryce Young, like you kind of realize how valuable he is." Because yeah. you think Bryce Young out of that team, Jalen Milrow, who is still developing, but nonetheless was one of the top prospects. I meant to watch his high school highlights yesterday. That's what yeah. I didn't get the chance to. And Alabama, that was a close ball game. That was a super close ball game. Final score of 24-20. Bama improves the 6-0 while AM drops the 3-3. Three and three. 
Uh, Thomas, yeah, let's hear it. What were your thoughts on the game? Man, I, I'm, I was surprised uh, at, you know, how much Milro struggled. Um, I definitely – I kind of more expected that from, um, you know, last week against Arkansas where it's like you kind of get thrown in the fire. It's like, you know, might not have had all the preparation during the week that, you know, he would have got if he was a starter. So I can, you know, understand that. But I'm like, man, you know, after a week and, you know, you knowing you that guy, it's not like you got to look over the shoulder. Oh, Bryson might play, might not. Like, you know, you know you're coming out there starting. You know what's, you know, at stake. I was definitely surprised to see him come out and, and just be that loose with the ball. Um, like you said, you know, throws that got picked, throws, that, you know, playing a bunch of throws that, you know, were, were dangerous throws that could have got picked. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I was definitely surprised to see that. Um, you usually just don't see that from, from Bama quarterbacks in general. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, you know, like you said, it, it goes to show you how important a, a, a leader and an experienced quarterback like Bryce Young is, whereas – you know, you look at Miro, and, and Miro's got all the intangibles. Like, he's got, you know, the big body, the speed. You know, I'm, he's got the big arm, can, can run or whatever. But, you know, it's nothing like, you know, experience and, and, and leadership and, and, you know, that poise that Bryce Young uh, brings to the team. Um, so, yeah, man, Bama, Bama is Bama's very lucky to, to get out of that game. I mean, it came down to, you know, literally one play on the goal line. Um, so, I think that defense came through for him big time for sure. Um Especially with, you know, it, I, it was a couple calls there at the end that, you know, gave AM a couple extra chances too. Um, so, yeah, man, if, if you Bama, you definitely real lucky to get out of that game. Um, but, you know, you always just, you know, take things and, and learn from it. Um, you know, especially, like I said, in a situation like this where you're lucky to not come out with a loss. I mean, that's all you can do is, is learn from it and, you know, just get better uh, for the next week, um, which I, I'm not sure if they're going to have – you know if they're going to have Bryce Young back yet or not? I feel like they're going to let you know later on in the week. Because even this week, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, during the practices, they were purposely not filming. Like, the camera crew would not film for, like, the get, uh, roll tie football or whatever the uh, album football account is. They would yeah. not film the thrower. So you see the yeah. Steve making the catches, but you wouldn't know who was throwing the ball. So I don't know. They got Tennessee coming. Before we go to Tennessee real quick, with one great addition Alabama has had, I think a lot of people expected, me expected, thought Burton was going to be the guy. But that dog on Jameer Gibbs yeah. from Georgia Tech, he's from Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, yeah. He has been a major addition to that team. Uh, 21 carries, 154 yards. This week, averaging seven yards, uh, having seven yards per carry. He's been a major addition to that team. But like you were saying, Bryce Young, they need Bryce Young back because Tennessee is coming back to town. And we talked about this last week. We've heard the vol the volunteers are back. We've heard, but them volunteers are really rolling. No, nah, them boys are real. <laughs> volunteers. This is the first time I just put it on the Matt Sports House Instagram account. This is the first time these two have met as an undefeated team since what year is that? I just had that up there. Uh since 1989. It's usually like Tennessee's having an average season. And Alabama's having a great season. The Tennessee fans get excited for this when Alabama inevitably runs them over. Yeah. But this, hey, and this game is, I think, is this at Rocky Top, right? Yeah. At Rocky Top, Tennessee just beat uh, LSU. Final score, 40 to 13. You know, what, what, do you think Brian Kelly's going to work at LSU? Like, I guess they're four and two, so they're not like horrible. But it's just like, and maybe because Tennessee's really good, maybe that's what it is. I'm not used to Tennessee playing as well, so to see them blowing out LSU is blowing my mind. But do you think that Brian Kelly is the type of coach that's going to get LSU to like a 
playoff thing. I know that's kind of a rare thing. Like, I know it always yeah. feels like they're up in their conversation. But basically, yeah. I'm trying to ask you, do you think Brian Kelly is a good fit at LSU? I, I don't – from the jump, man, I never thought he was a good fit with LSU, like, like personality-wise. Yeah. Um. Because I feel like LSU is one of those schools. It just, like, Louisiana is kind of one of those areas where it's, like, they want uh, – I can't necessarily, like, they want the coach to, like, represent Louisiana, but you got to have some kind of – Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you gotta you in some way, shape, or form, you gotta be able to, you know, uh, you know, come there, just like be able to relate to people in the South and you know the, the players in the South and all that. And it's like Brian Kelly is like literally just the complete opposite of, of you know what we've seen in the past from LSU coaches. Um, I mean, his his track record will definitely help him, but at a school like Notre Dame, you know, they independent, they don't see as much competition as the LSU does. You might you might not necessarily need to recruit those same type of guys that you would at a Notre Dame, and you're not going to be even recruiting in the same areas that you would be, right. you know, at a Notre Dame as opposed to an LSU. So it's like you got to wonder: do the the guys in Louisiana and Texas and Alabama, Mississippi, all these guys in the South, like, are they going to look at Brian Kelly and be like, I could, you know, if I go to the school, I can relate to this coach, or you know, I got a good relationship with a coach. I don't, I don't think guys are going to look at him and see that. Um, you know, I think guys are just going to look at him and, you know, see a good exit and those, you know, football coach, you know, your, your typical football coach that you would see in the media, which, you know, always isn't the best. Um, but, you know, not to mention, like I said, just going from Notre Dame, um, well, you know, they they see, a, you know, they might see Clemson one time during the year or some other, you know, good non-conference opponent. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it's pretty much a cakewalk to the postseason. But, I mean, when well, you got to see, you know, Nick Saban one week, then the next week you're going to see Jimbo Fisher. And the next week you're going to see, you know, Mark Stoops or, you know, Kirby Smart, whoever, you know, it's tough. So um, I think maybe after and, and you, you do got to cut him some slack because, I mean, he's inheriting, you know, an Ed Orgeron team. He's not got, you know, all his recruits and stuff. And yeah. he's, you know, pretty much anybody who's a Brian Kelly recruit is, you know, either came through by the transfer portal or is a freshman. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure LSU is probably going to give him a good, you know, three, four or five years to get his guys in and really see, you know, what a full LSU under, you know, Brian Kelly looks like. But, man, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it working out, you know, in the long run for him. Yeah, it's just it's just I, I think and what is it, Ed Ardron, uh, Les Miles, those guys seem like LSU type of guys. Yeah. Uh, to go out and go get a Jarvis Landry who's already in Louisiana, but you're just kind exactly. of like, dotting the uh, I and crossing the T there. But back to this Alabama-Tennessee game for this week coming up. First of all, I have to mention is Jalen Hyatt, who went to Dutch Fork, Irma, South Carolina, apparently yeah. didn't offer him for whatever reason. And he has I, – I forgot that I was trying to find numbers for the show. He has an extremely long streak of catching touchdowns. Yeah. Every week he catches a touchdown at Tennessee. And so it's like, boy, the, them Car- Carolina could have used the type of production from the wide receiver position. But just yeah. – Quick preview prediction. What you think happens? Alabama, Tennessee, Saturday. That this is a why is this a oh it, I forget. I'm thinking why is this game going to be at three thirty? But I'm thinking that's the CBS game. Yeah. Out the West. That's a twelve thirty game. So Ooh, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, what is what is really going on? <laughs> so what what do you think happens? Man, it's all my prediction. All riding on it, Bryce Young plays tonight. Um, let me not say that because honestly, man, I think Tennessee. I think Tennessee getting out of here with a dub, man. Them boys okay. look for real. Like that game on that game Saturday really impressed me. Like I know it's not you know LSU we used to, um, 
but I mean, it's still a talented LSU team, and you're going in the Baton Rouge. Um, and that was an early kickoff, so it was 12 o'clock, you know, East Coast, which, you know, Louisiana, that's 11 o'clock in the morning, which, you know, that can sometimes be just as tough, you know, as, as like a night game or something, just because you – that didn't really a schedule that you're normally on. You know, you out there warming up on the field, you know, not 30, 10 o'clock in the yeah. morning. It's like, you know, you ain't really used to that. So, going in uh, the Baton Rouge and not just winning, but winning the way they did, man, it was like they left no doubt, like, at all. Like, it, it felt like they wanted to come in there and really, like, prove a point. Um, so, yeah, man, we, we haven't really seen Tennessee – with a quarterback like this really since, you know, I guess you could say like Josh Dobbs was kind of in that same mold where he was, you know, kind of regarded as like a top quarterback in the country uh, at that time. But man, just getting, getting led by a, a good quarterback um, like, like Hooker is just, just gives me a whole nother, um, you know, confidence level about Tennessee. Um, and, you know, like you said, well, hi, you know, and he's got some other good playmakers uh, surrounding him and that defense really, um, you know, showed up to play Saturday too. I think that was more what impressed me more than anything because we kind of knew, you know, what their offense was about um, coming into the season and, and leading up to the game. So um, just seeing that defense come and, and really, you know, shut down LSU the way they did, um, you know, really surprised me. So I feel like, man, you 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 mix that in, um, you know, Tennessee's on that high horse. You mix that in with, I, I think, game day's supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, game day's supposed to be there, another rivalry game. Um for, for college football, it's considered prime time, you know, since, you know, CBS little 330 slot or whatever. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, playing Bama, I mean, that, that you know, that's really all that needs to be said. So, I feel like they got more than enough motivation going into the game, man. But, um, yeah, if I had to make a prediction, I think I think Tennessee going to pull it off. I, I feel it in the spirit. I, I feel like it's going to be one of them games Saturday where, where um, you know, it might not be no blowout or anything, but I think Tennessee going to come in and handle their business. Especially if Miro's playing. I'll say that. Especially if Miro's playing. Um, I think that'll be a tough environment for him down there in, in uh, Rocky Top. They got like 100-something thousand people in that stadium. Um, but if Bryce Young comes back, that's that's a whole other story, man. I think it'll be – at that point, it'll be a nail body. But I think Tennessee will have a home field advantage. So, yeah, I, I got to go with them. And you know Alabama does struggle a lot of times when it comes to playing on that road. That's kind of been a thing of theirs. All I need. Is Inky Johnson to be the surprise guest <laughs> on uh, on college game day? And, and then if he does, and I'm sure he's gonna give some sort of speech. I was about to say he gotta get in the pregame speech or and something. He, I need because you know every day he drops some content on Instagram. Yeah. I need to hear what he says. Inky gonna be ready to go. That would be a great guest. Man, I'm hoping Bryce Young is ready to play. I'm hoping yeah. Bryce Young is ready to play. And I'll, and if he's playing, I'm going Bama. If he's not. I can't, I, I feel like I can't, from what I've seen, I can't roll with Jalen. I can't roll with Jalen Melrose. If, if but I, I don't want to bet against Saban. That's the only thing. It's like, man, Saban, like, boy, you can't bet against him, man. If I, if, if Jalen is playing, then if Jalen is playing, and which means Bryce is out, then that must mean that get, they got Jameer Gibbs is going to have to have an outside. Yeah, he's going to have to have a big game. Yeah. And that defense will have to play really well. So I feel yeah. like those are going to be the critical factors. Based off of the information I know from what I'm thinking, I predict that Bryce plays and that Alabama gets the dub. One thing to consider, though, is like they can, like, you know, obviously Nick Saban don't make sure to lose no games, but they yeah. can't lose this game for the most likely, still go win the SEC and still steamroll. And the fact that because they lost to Tennessee, when Tennessee was this, like, 
highly ranked, it wouldn't look as bad to the committee. And you might mess around and get to face him again. So we're definitely going to be interested to watch that timeline as that continues to roll throughout the week. We're going to go ahead to the Big Ten where um, y'all know it. Y'all know it. I got to think of a name of this segment. We said <laughs> Buckeyes. Um, Ohio State Buckeyes took on Michigan State. Light work. Final score 49-20. <sighs> CJ Stroud another week. 21 for 26. 361 yards. Six touchdowns. Had interception, but I'll deal with it. Now, we're going to break this thing down like the, like the, um, the, uh, the statistic columns. And so, what, the Mayan Williams out this week? And I'm like, oh, no. Like, bro, he just had five touchdowns last week, and now he's out. Put in Travion Henderson, who was originally the starter. Travion has 19 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. And Travion, I think he, they said it in the show. I mean, they said it during the game. He's been playing a more of a physical style back. I think it's also like in competition a little bit with Williams. Like, yeah, I could do that too. Cause I don't think he wants to be known as like a scat back. He's like, I can yeah. run between the tackles, but also he's, I think they say he put on like 25 pounds as he got to Ohio state. So even if you were a scat back type, you're like, oh, I can run between the tackles 20 pounds. I better be able to. And then, yeah. Hey, then out there receiver core. Mm-hmm. Five catches, 143 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison, seven catches, 131 yards. Julian Fleming even had four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. And, okay, our tight end right now is huge. K Stover, you know, the big white guy. He didn't have that big of a name. We also have another guy that that, um, is coming from a wide receiver position named G. Scott Jr. He had a touchdown as well. C.J. Stroud is dealing right now. He's up uh, for the Heisman uh, Trophy. I think he's a front runner at this point, especially with Bryce Young being out. Let me tell you something, the Buckeyes are rolling right now. Them, them Buckeyes, them Buckeyes are looking good. I like what I see with the number one ranked team in the country, depending on which standings you're looking at. Yeah. But I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Buckeyes. And, uh, yeah, so, Thomas, please, please take it away. I just, yo, so I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just want to let y'all know. I just want to let y'all know that last season we had Chris Olave, who um, obviously playing with the Saints in the NFL, first-round draft pick. We had Garrett Wilson, who's playing for the Jets, another first-round draft pick. We had Jackson Smith and Jake. None of these three guys have played past the first game. The only one that played in the first game was Jackson Smith and Jigba. No drop-off whatsoever. Yeah. That zone six, what we call that receiver core, is something serious. That's what I got, Thomas. That's all I got for you. I got you, Doc. Nah. Um, yeah, man. I, man, I, I ain't going to lie, man. I'm looking at – I mean, I know – we know – you know, what type of quarterback Stroud is. You know, we know he's that guy or whatever. You know, like you said, Heisman candidate. But, man, I'm – I ain't going to lie, man. I was looking at that game yesterday, and I'm like, I already know the questions they're going to be asking when, when it comes time for that draft with CJ Stroud. They're going to be like, can he do it with, you know, limited weapons? Because, I mean, when you think about the, the you know, the amount of talent that he's been throwing to, you know, since he came in there at Ohio State, I mean, you just named, you know, a lot of it, Gary Wilson, all them guys they had last year. And now, you know, Marvin Harrison, uh, Emeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, it's like, I mean, you know, common thing, you know, the Alabama really started, it, you know, it's not rebuilding, reloading. Um, but for some reason, man, it's like, they, they're just really sticking out to me this year. And I think maybe it's because, like you said, that it's like, these aren't the household names we're used to, like in Olivia, Garrett Wilson, you know, they're kind of new guys. Um, but just to see him coming on and, and performing in these big time games, especially Marvin Harrison Jr., man, he... 
he yeah he, he definitely gonna be one of them guys at the next level like you could just already see like he, he looks apart he's got that big body like you know once he gets older and that frame really fails out man he's gonna be a problem to deal with um but yeah man Ohio State man they I think they without a doubt got probably the best receiving core in the country this year um or you know at least at this you know point in time um because yeah man they just come out to play every single week I mean like you said Marvin Harrison Jr. three touchdowns um you know Fleming, who I guess was, was he was he kind of expected to be like like that fourth guy in the rotation this year? Or was it going to be be between him and uh two? No, for absolute sure. Like he was like the number two receiver coming out. Like he was, I think going into this season. See that Rose Bowl did a lot because with that Rose yeah. Bowl, it put Marvin Harrison on the radar and. And it was like, I think a lot of people, if you would have looked at the rankings, would have thought Julian Edelman would be where Marvin Harrison Jr. is now. Yeah. So it kind of, but that Rose Bowl, when you see this brother catch three touchdowns, it's like, what do we have here? I think in even, you probably would have expected Mecca to be more of a slot guy and Julian to be on that outside. Yeah. But, but Mecca just been putting up numbers every single week to the point where yeah. it kind of sometimes could be hard for Julian to kind of fit in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. And, and he's definitely been, uh, you know, Mecca Buka has definitely been another shocker to me because, I mean, we talked about it in week one and that, um, well, what was that big game they had? Notre, um, Dame, week, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, that Notre Dame game. Because, um, yeah, he came out, you know, after, you know, when Smith and Jigba got hurt and finished the game with, if not double digit catches close to, you know, he was, he was like their main guy that night. Um, so yeah, man, it's like, I got to get credit to, um, you know, is, is, uh, Hardline still the receivers coach out there? Well, I think he's a pass game corner and wide receivers coach. Yeah, pass game, yeah but I got to give Brian Hardline his credit, man. Cause he makes sure them boys is, is ready to play. Like no matter where they're at on the depth chart or, you know, how much experience they got in college football period. Like, I mean, Matt, you know, is, found the best, you know, turn for it is, is no drop off, you know, when, when you, uh, you know, see these receivers come in and out. Um, so yeah, man, uh, but you, but you definitely see with Ohio state, you know, they got kind of like, uh, that more pro, you know, style of, of offense or, or system, you know, in a comparison to a team like Texas, who we was just talking about. Cause you know, you look at the stat sheet and it's like, you can see Ohio state kind of has their main guys, you know, they like to get the ball to and, and, you know, get the ball in their hands and let them make plays where it's like, like you said with Texas, it could be anybody on any day. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, but that just kind of, you know, goes to show you, like, the confidence that, you know, Ohio State has in their guys, and it's kind of like we know who's going to get the ball, you know, it's just can you come out and stop them. Um, so, yeah, man, Ohio State looking good right now for sure. Um, I just, you know, kind of, you know, got to keep your eyes on them and see what they do the rest of the season, make sure they don't have any of them slip-ups, you know, any of them trap games or anything. Yeah. Um, don't need but this is definitely one of them situations where, uh, you know, I, I want to see that receiver core go up against, um, you know, one of one of the, you know, just kind of a, a top tier defensive back core, you know, like in a playoff or you know, in one of the conference championship games or something. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna definitely have my eyes on. I've you know been looking at them all season, but I'm gonna definitely be locked in on them, especially that receiver core, um, for the rest of this year. Yeah, it's like I think you brought up a really good point, but I want to hit here. Northwestern, I think like two years ago, gave us the fits. They had some yeah. elite DBs in that Big Ten championship game. It's like the CR receivers, yeah. those guys. And two, this has been a thing for Ohio State quarterbacks for a while now. Because if you think back to Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, uh, Paris Campbell, Scary Terry, these are his receivers. You get to the league and it's like, I better receivers in college. And then exactly. um, 
what's the guy's name? Quarterback right now, Justin Fields. You're used to Chris Olave, yep. Garrett Wilson, like elite receivers. And then you go to the league, and it's like, especially if you're a top quarterback being picked, you're not going to get the best receivers. Exactly. Exactly. So definitely, like, it's like almost like a drop off when you get to college, and I mean, you get to the NFL, and it's like, where my guy? Yeah, I think we saw that with, you know, Lawrence out there in Jacksonville. I mean, same thing. He come from having, you know, T. Higgins, Mari Rogers, um, Justin Ross, you know, guys like that. And it's more about, you know, just, you know, because the NFL is, is talented. For, I mean, it, you know, it's a high level of football. So it's like, obviously, you can say those guys are, you know, on the same level of talent. But it's rare that you're going to have four or five guys in one core who are all, you know, on that same level of talent, even in the NFL. So, nah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You're right on the money with that. All right, yeah, Thomas, but we're going to stay in the Big Ten here real briefly. But like I said, you know, we just got a stacked show today. Uh, stacked show today. Michigan, how about Michigan, the Wolverines still undefeated? Uh, you know, it's, you know, sometimes, and I'm, we're going to talk about USC and UCLA too. It's like some of these programs where I know historically they've been, you know, big name programs, they kind of sneak up on you a little bit. Like, oh, Michigan's still undefeated. I think a lot of people outside of maybe Michigan, maybe the Big Ten in general, it's like, Michigan's undefeated another year. So uh, Michigan right now is Keith cruising. They got a game this week against Penn State, which will be a top matchup. So they got a couple of power. Uh, there are a couple of top matches this weekend. You got Tennessee, Alabama. You got Penn State, Michigan to the top ten showdown. Uh, but yeah, Wolverines. What you think about that? Wolverines undefeated. Some some uh, rankings got to rank number five in the country. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, you know, the reason, uh, you know, there had been too much hype around them was because I don't think they really played any, you know, any top teams yet. You know, I, you know, like you just said, they play in Penn State this weekend. So this would kind of be their first, uh, you know, real test they had all season. I can't say that because Maryland, Maryland gave them a run for their money a couple weeks ago. Um, and the game, you know, it kind of came out to the wire. I don't think it came out to the wire, but, you know, Maryland played them pretty tough um, for a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I think, man, I think they kind of getting uh, treated, you know, the way Ohio State was getting treated in the first couple years of the playoff. Because I mean, we saw, you know, what Michigan did when they got their shot in the playoff last year, you know, against Georgia. Um, so I think they're kind of on that type of, you know, on that type of deal where people are just like, we ain't really gonna give them too much hype, put too much hype behind them until you know that postseason come. Um, because, I mean, I think people, you know, around the college football world kind of understand the Big Ten ain't what it used to be. It's still that same brand of football, you know, still that same physical, you know, tough brand of football. Um, but, you know, the, the, the competition level the competition level just ain't, you know, where it used to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but still, you know, it's, it's hard to be undefeated. It's, it's hard to win games every Saturday. So you definitely got to give them credit for that. Um, whereas, you know, the years leading up to this, we've seen a struggle earlier in the year. And they kind of wonder what's going on with them. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think people are, you know, sleeping on them in that aspect. I just think, you know, we're not um, being too quick to, to clown them, you know, after we saw, you know, kind of how that went last year. So, And I think Michigan fans are in an interesting position because, like, we, we saw what happens when you don't have Harbaugh there, right? Like, the program kind of goes down for a little while. Now, Brady Hulk had his days, but for the majority of the program, it's, you know, okay, it's an okay program. He keeps yeah. them better than average to good. And so it's like you kind of get used to that. And it's like, well, we can get another guy in here to do this. But yeah. it's, oh, no, he actually, for what Michigan is, because it's not the same as Ohio State. They're different. Yeah. There's a rivalry game, but the, the, I feel like maybe, no, because they probably do put significant money into the program. It's just different. I feel like the standards are a little yeah. bit different. 
but their fans don't treat it as such. They think they should be right there at Ohio State. So for yep. Harbaugh to just be able to keep them right there in that run every year, and it looks like this year, I mean, it's as far as this uh, season has gone, like undefeated almost the past two years. So got a shout out on him, and as long as I'm sure, I guess as long as he chooses to stay there, they probably let him be there. But we're yep. gonna talk about some other teams that are about to head to the Big Ten. Um, the California football, Southern California football. You got University of Southern Cal that just keeps winning. Um, and with everybody have been saying, talking about how their defense is not that great, you know, their players are not sustainable offensive players. The boys, they get a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And they force teams to pass the ball, and boys can get to the quarterback. So, yeah. they this guy, I was listening to Joel Klatt, uh, which uh, y'all know is the head of, like, he's the great city Kirk Herbstreit of, of Fox, does an excellent job. And he talks about he's like they disguise their problems very well. It's like yeah. okay, they not they have the bad run defense, but you really don't run the ball too much against them because you're usually getting down a lot of points. You got to catch up. So yeah. between them and so we, I think a lot of us know, you know, Lincoln. <coughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. We know about um, you Southern Cal uh, football, but UCLA undefeated can't get no fans in the seats. <laughs> and I'm thinking like the, I'm thinking like the it's gonna be crazy whenever it's the rivalry game between USC versus UCLA, and it's like yeah. you know you hope the UCLA alumni will show up for that game, but and you gotta give it to Chip, Chip Kelly. Now he didn't had his racist situations where, where they're pending in Philadelphia. I gotta speak on those because I'm a big Deshaun Jackson fan. I yeah. can't not speak on that. And the Riley Coopers of the world, but that's a discussion for a different day. But this brother built Oregon's program to got UCLA program, not off the ground, but definitely a slow moving. Got them undefeated. Yeah. Uh, what you been thinking about UCLA football this year? Hey man, it's, I, I feel like it's kind of the theme or just what we've been talking about today, man. But it just shows you what you can do when you get a top quarterback. Like yep. a top quarterback can can really just turn your whole you know turn the whole identity of your uh, you know your program around or of your team you know that year. I'll say, because um, I mean, to, you know, uh, Dorian Thompson's been there for a couple of years now, but just um, when you come in there with, with three, four years experience and you're that, you know, senior leader and you're that guy um, and you can play with that confidence, it just, you know, does something different to your level of play. Um, but yeah, man, I think, I think that's the main thing. Uh, I know they got a good running back. Uh, I, I think his last name is Char- Charbonnet. I don't want to, you know, be mispronouncing it, but um yeah, I, I think honestly that's the biggest thing, man, is just having um a top quarterback knowing who your leader is. because uh, I mean I, I think we know it's not like they just, you know, recruit a bunch of five and four star guys. So they don't necessarily have the talent of a you know, of a Southern Cow. But I mean, we are seeing the same thing with Southern Cow. They've been down a couple of years, but when you get that guy at quarterback and surround him with, you know, a couple of playmakers, it's like, you know, the sky's the limit uh for the offense. Um so yeah, that that's that, that's you know that's what I got to say about UCLA. I ain't gonna go as far as to say you know they are gonna make some you know playoff run or anything, uh, you know, because we we know how the Pac-12 is, man. We've seen a lot of teams you know start off hot and then you know kind of go flat, uh, you know you know near the middle of the season or you know once you get that first loss, you know we know our teams can kind of you know give up on the season or whatever. So um, I ain't gonna just you know write them off, but you know I don't think they had the talent to be. Uh, compete with some of these other top teams, but yeah, I mean that's my takeaway from it is just it, it, you know, that's a prime example of what having a top quarterback can can do for your program. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Chip Kelly went out. Maybe I think he was Dorian already there. Whatever Chip Kelly was hired, or you think he I was, think so. I think so. 
Okay, well, he's not, yeah, yeah. I, I want to say so. I, I feel like I feel like Dorian's been there for a while. He has. I feel like I've been watching his highlights and stuff on YouTube for the longest in the blue. Yeah, like that's what I'm like, man. I feel like he's been like this might be about a fifth year, you know, because of that COVID year. Yeah, because it's like you used to remember seeing him like do a lot more running, but it seems like he's really kind of putting together a little bit in the air. Uh, he went yeah. 18 for 23 for this game, 299 yards and four touchdowns. That running back 24 had 22 carries, 198 yards. And what really sort of separates Dorian is he can, because uh, they play Utah this week, they got the win against Utah. Uh, he, oh, I thought you were looking at me kind of like that game you talk about. I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> but uh, well, the thing that really separates um, Dorian is like he he's an aggressive quarterback that can go almost resembling a little bit of the Arkansas quarterback as far as his running style, but yeah. he doesn't even throw the ball. So he kind of gives you the best of both worlds. It's funny, like for a long time, we used to think of UC, I remember at UCLA, like even their practice facility, I think, okay, that's where all the star NFL players go to do the workouts on the turf. But, hey, they got it going out there at UCLA about 20 – I think somebody told me it's like 15, 20 miles out from USC. And yeah. uh, they just get – they could just get some people out to those games. But man, they, man, you would not know they undefeated tuning into their games. I turn them games on. I'm like, what in the world? What? And, it, you know, and the, when talking about recruiting and stuff like that, it kind of shows because you'll hear guys like uh, uh, even C.J. Stroud, because we all know C.J. Stroud is from the California area, just like yeah. – uh, quarterback DJ Bryce Young from Pasadena if I'm not mistaken but I remember CJ Styles specifically saying it's like you go he's from California the UCLA Southern Cal they invite you to their game and you go and the fans are halfway interested at best like yeah. this one, I think they're more interested in Rams games and then just yeah. Hollywood in general he said then you go across the country to Ohio State and you see how interested those fans are in the game these night games the environment's crazy and it's like where do I want to play? And I feel like UCLA gets the back burner too because it's even if it's like, yeah. okay, hey, USC football's going. Oh, UCLA, they they playing good too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. Nah, yeah, I I think um my bad, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. it's like um I think Joe Burrow said it in a um in an interview a couple of weeks ago talking about the Super Bowl out in LA where he said it felt like a, a dinner party with you know a bunch of celebrities and like they were the entertainment. I kind of feel like that's like that, you know, California football scene in general. Like, people come to the Southern Cal game because it's a Southern Cal game. It's not like they actually want to see football. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, in high school, I used to go to the game on Friday night to socialize. Like, you wasn't really there for the game. Like, I feel like it's kind of something like that, where it's like you come to the to the South or that Midwest, it's like people whole weekends be predicated on just nothing but watching football. Like, so. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's definitely um, you know, you right on you hit that right on the head, man. I feel like that's a big difference between that, um, you know, that that the you know, not just level of play, but like you said, the recruiting aspect and all that when you compare, you know, that West Coast football to to you know football in the South. Yeah, it's just a whole different ball game. And it, it's hilarious, like kind of when you see that, because it's like, oh, we're not the same. And the crazy thing is there's a lot of star players. We see these quarterbacks coming out of California, and we're like, okay, we will now relocate to the other side of the country and, you know, get trained up, ready to go. But y'all were yeah. going to... I don't know, man. When I was looking, when I was looking crazy, I was look, I searched up uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson to see, you know, what year he was. They say he's from Columbia. No. Um, That's what I said. I'm like, man, he must have got something and stuff. I don't know. He, uh, he wasn't moving when he was young. Because I'm like, well, we would have been new about this, man, if he was coming out of South Carolina. Wait a minute. Yeah, so he was born in Columbia, South Carolina. 
Wait a and minute. he's 22, so he might, I think, yeah, this might be his fourth year, though. He, he might be right online. Wait know. a minute, wait a minute, Tom. <laughs> Slow down, wait a minute. Like I said, he must have moved real early because that threw me all the way off. Like, oh, South Carolina ain't so big. You know, you know who coming out the state. No, it's he's Hartsville, something, Columbia. Yeah, Brown. like, he's you know, he's going to South Carolina year to year, so. We are definitely going to do some research on that and kind of get more of that. Because sure. I, I need to understand somebody, mama, knows somebody else. <laughs> and he played probably out there one of the parks. We're going to figure uh, out. But, uh, y'all, just to keep it moving, let's uh, Thomas, HBCU football. I tell you what, Deion Sanders' job, like he, he said he was going to bring more attention to HBCUs. And through ways he was expecting it not, HBCU football, I feel like a lot of people are at least tuned in at least to see what Shador is doing on a weekly basis. You even hear some people yeah. bringing up his name in a high, whatever. But, like, it's brought up, like, oh, yeah, he's playing really well out there. Heisman, it's like, yo, like, this is crazy what's being done. It's like, I guess you could say Dion planned it. Like, yo, this is what I'm going to do as far as bring more attention to him. And sure has he done it. Uh, wow, it was big, big headlines this week. Jackson State took on Alabama State. Yeah, uh, and it was Alabama State homecoming. Alabama State, in case y'all don't know, is another HBCU. Um, Dion was definitely, throughout the week, was letting people know that he didn't really appreciate too much being put as Jackson State's homecoming, as we know. I mean, as Alabama State's homecoming, as we know, a lot of times you put the team on homecoming because you expect to beat them. Therefore, the homecoming king-queen and festivity, you win the game, you have all the parties, all that's fun. Yeah. Jackson State ended up winning this game 26 to 12. It was a close one, though. It wasn't like a blowout. I think coming out of uh, halftime, the score was 10 to 6, but uh, Jackson State scored another touchdown, making that 17 in the third. But it was a close game, close game. Shador went 30 for 46, 332 yards. And, you know, his talented did, talent did what they did. But the storyline of this game was after the game. Deion Sanders goes to shakes the head coach of Alabama State's in the hand. I think that guy's name is Eddie Ramos. Eddie Robinson, right? Uh, I know his last name, Robinson. I'm Robinson Jr. I, yeah. I think Eddie. yeah. Yeah, so he goes to shake Eddie Robinson's hand after the game and kind of talking up, you know, our coaches generally do just for like, you know, sportsmanship purposes. And Eddie kind of hit his hand, like kind of like shook his hand for like a second. And then it's like whenever you would usually embrace with that second hand, yeah. he kind of put his hand on Dion like, like, yeah, I don't even like miss me with that. And then Dion kind of pushes him. And I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. And then, <laughs> so, and then so Dion, they both went to their own press conferences. Uh, Eddie Robinson was saying he felt disrespected all week. So we're not friends. So don't expect me to embrace you after you disrespect me all week. Pre-game, you didn't shake my hand. And then Dion and things of that nature. Then Dion comes out and says, well, actually, the reason I didn't shake your hand pregame was because our coaches, uh, because our team showed up late uh, postgame. He felt like that was a little unnecessary and he did a great job marketing for the game because this was a sold out affair, which is better for uh, Alabama State. Apparently, Alabama State didn't give them a lot of tickets or something like that, too. Yeah which was like a, a thing in itself. And whenever Dion went to go walk around the field, like he usually does, always done it when he played, now when he coaches, the, the, the Alabama State players were cursing at him. Not just the fans. You know, you had the fans cursing at him. So that's kind of what comes with it. But the players were cursing at him, kind of in his way a little bit. Super interesting. So, Thomas, I know you saw this is a developing story all weekend. Yeah. What were your thoughts about this? Um, You know, it, it's definitely one of those things uh, where it's like, you know, you kind of got to wait for the for the whole story to come out. Because, um, I mean, you know, at first all we saw was, you know, 
the, you know, that post-game handshake and, and, you know, everybody had their, you know, kind of own opinion on what that might have stemmed from. You know, people were saying it was because, uh, you know, Coach Prime left. Uh, I don't think he left some of the starters in the game, but I think when he put the backups in the game, he was still, you know, pushing the ball down the field, throwing it, uh, trying to score or whatever. Um, some people view that as a problem, you know, you up, you know, just run the clock out, you know, kneel it out, whatever. Others, you know, including Dion, I think Dion's quote in the interview was, if one team, you know, if a team's trying to score on you, you try to score on them, don't you? Um, and, you know, some fans are like, you know, uh, you know, as long as the game's still going, I mean, you're playing football, you're not just supposed to lay down. So, um, man, but once, uh, you know, Jackson State put out that, the, the whole, it, it was a raw and uncut video. I got to give them credit for that. They ain't really do no editing or anything. Um, you know, they showed the raw and uncut video of Coach Pine walking around the field before the game. And, and seeing Coach Prime's interview, it kind of shows you, I feel like Alabama State's coach maybe was kind of caught up in the moment, a little caught up in emotions of, of just coming off a loss, you know, at, at, at homecoming. I think he's a, I think he's an alum of Alabama State, too. So, you know, that kind of doesn't help either. It's like, you know, you coach at your former school, get beat a homecoming. Um, mm-hmm. And you feel like the coach is kind of trying to show you up, you know, in your own head, even though that really wasn't the case. Um so, I mean, it was definitely some misunderstanding going on in there for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really like the – I don't know, man. I, I just don't ever like to see two coaches, um, you know, going at it like this. I mean, it, I guess you could say, you know, creates a good rivalry on the field or whatever sparks a good rivalry. Um, but, you know, the whole kind of talk and, and, like, theme around, you know, HBCUs and it's just, you know, like all, you know, like coming together, you know, bring every, bringing everything together. Um, you know, so you never like to see a situation like this, you know, two coaches going at it. Um, but yeah, man, I think, uh, I mean, I, I definitely don't think, you know, coach Pine was in the wrong or anything like that. Like I said, once you kind of see the full story of it, it's kind of like, you know, Alabama state's coach was, was, you know, overreacting a little bit. Um, like I told Matt all camera before the show, I mean, even I knew, Dion, you know, walks around the field and stuff before games. Like he, like you said, he's been doing this since he was playing. Like even I know that as somebody who probably didn't even get to watch Deion Sanders, you know, live as a kid or whatever. Um, so yeah, man, I just think Alabama State's coach was was kind of caught up in in you know his emotions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I ain't gonna lie, knowing you know the 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 type of guy Coach Prime is, you know, and, and you know the character um, that he has, I feel like when this game rolls around next year. Um, things will be kind of cleared up um, between the two coaches. Because, um, I mean, there, there wasn't, like, anything personal said. So I, I do feel like it's, you know, an opportunity for coaches to, you know, talk it out, come to a common ground or whatever, and, you know, just kind of understand there was a little misunderstanding. You know, there wasn't any disrespect man, or anything like that. So, I mean, hopefully they can, you know, just just talk it out like grown men. And I mean, not saying they got to be the best of friends or anything, but, you know, you definitely don't want any, any you know, bad blood between um, – you know, coaches, because that, you know, just leads to all the stuff on the field and all that. So, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my whole take on it. And you know, this game will definitely be highlighted next year. The cameras will be rolling. The pictures. And it's coming to Jackson State. It's, yeah, so, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, so that old bad blood thing, that might be inevitable. Yeah, you might be kind of able to not really avoid that. And one thing I've also noticed in this swag, because I think that he would say he said, uh, Dion ain't swag. I'm swag or whatever. <laughs> uh, and Dion said, how am I not swag? It was kind of funny hearing it. 
But one thing I've noticed a lot with these HBCUs, the coaches that do not like Dion really do not like Dion. Yeah. Like, a couple of them are kind of like, oh, Dion came here. Like, I think Dion was even talking about the press conference. Mm-hmm. One of the coaches in there, he's like, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've had a relationship before. Um, they had a relationship before even Dion got into coaching college yeah. football. But some of these coaches, I, I forgot which one of them was like, there's two schools that my son will never go to. And one of them was Jackson State. No, the, some of these coaches that do not yeah. like Dion, maybe it's because it's the way they like things have been done before. Maybe they don't like the kind of the juice that kind of Dion kind of brings. Maybe they lose some recruiting battles. I don't know what it is, but I have definitely kind of come to notice. There's about three or four coaches that put coaches these yeah. HBCUs that do not, uh, they, they're, they're not the biggest fans of uh, primetime. Nah, that's facts, man. That's facts. I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I have noticed that. Like like you said, there's a couple of them. It's like, boy, when they come for them, like, they they for real. But I think, um, man, I think part of it, I, re- I, I ain't gonna lie, being realistic about it, man, some of it might come from, from envy, from, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure most of these guys are around the same age. So, like, seeing how... I mean, you know, we know all the stories. Like, Deion Sanders was kind of the first one at that corner position, like, doing all that talking, putting all the eyes on him. You know, that's where he got the name Primetime from. So, maybe back then they didn't like his antics back then. So, now they feel like he's kind of bringing that to the, you know, to the college level. I've heard some people feel like he's kind of being, like, selfish, like he wants a spotlight on him still. But, I mean, I mean, I kind of feel like that's, like, what you know – you know, you're getting with, with him at this point. Like, I don't necessarily feel like he's inserting himself. Like, oh, everybody look at me. Like, it's, it's prime time. Like, that's his nickname. Like, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, all the lights are just automatically showing on him or whatever. But I feel like that's kind of where some of it stems from is just maybe they feel like um, he's kind of making stuff more about him more than about, you know, the game or about the players. So that that's, that's all I can think about it. And, you know, I think he even said it one time uh, recently. He says, when we come, the people come. The cameras come. And he's not even kidding. Like y'all, I was telling Thomas, I look at Shador Sanders' vlog every week. It is part of my like routine. It's all right, Shador. And I've seen the obviously the on field stuff as far as the highlights, ESPN. If I can catch it on TV, now I go see the behind the scenes. You, you check and see what uniforms Jackson State yeah. wearing. The cleats is getting shipped out, shipped in. Like it's definitely ads. It's like they got a lot of stuff going out there in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And then yeah. I can just imagine the tourism dollars and stuff like that have been brought in. The amount of students that probably applied to the school now a little bit higher. And then just for HBCU football, I'm not saying because with more guys probably considering HBCUs, they also give the chance for these guys to consider other HBCUs that maybe beforehand exactly. went, maybe just went and tried to walk on it like a Division One powerhouse, maybe went Division yeah. Two, Division Three route. They're like, hey, if uh, HBCU comes to my school, and I'm like, hey, well, we got a school. And we get to play yeah. Dion and them at Jackson State, take the bet. So definitely. yeah, I, I think no, nah, not to cut you all mad. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's gonna be we're gonna see the same effect, kind of like how we saw with Saban at, at Bama, and how um you know he he kind of really um I mean the SEC always you know was a pretty strong conference, but it's like when he got there at Bama and, and started winning them back to back chips, and it's just like it turned everything up because like you said, you got the guys who want to go to Bama and play for him. Oh, well, Saban doesn't want you. Okay, well, shoot, I'm going I'm to go right down the street to Auburn. And I know yeah. I'm going to get my one shot at Saban, you know, once a year, every year. So I think, yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. It's going to be the same with, with Deion and Jackson State. Because, um, I mean, Deion Ben said it, like, from day one, he, you know, come out, yeah, I'm looking for dogs. I'm looking for guys who want to play at the next level. I mean, that's the majority of guys who play football. So it's like, you know, the ones who, who you know, don't get recruited by Deion, like you said, they're going to be the ones going to Alabama State. 
um, or, or to a Mississippi Valley State, you know, knowing I, I'm going to have my one shot to, you know, kind of get some get back on, on Coach Prime or, or to, you know, prove my point that I should have been recruited to him. And, and like you said, he's bringing eyes, man. Like, people are playing on ESPN2, you know, ESPN+, Plus, ESPNU, whatever it is. They playing national televised games, like, every week. Like, oh, you know, they putting Jackson State games, you know, ahead of some, you know, uh, Power 5 schools or whatever. So, I mean, three, four years ago, people would have been riding. And, you know, you looked on TV and, and seen a Jackson State game on ESPN2 instead of, you know, a, a, you know, some Big Ten game or something. So, yeah, it just goes to show you, you know, how, how much, you know, he's brought to that uh, – to that SWAT conference and just HBCUs in general. Yeah, I'm not even gonna hold you. Like, uh, three years ago, you would have been hard pressed to find the only highlights you were gonna have a Jackson State football is that the Jackson State football account on YouTube put up their highlights. And they're yep. on one sided because they're not trying to show off Tennessee State. Now, yep. ESPN college football every week has the, the highlights up so you can watch them just like you can watch USC, USC, Clemson. Uh, when I say USC, I mean Southern Cal. Clemson, whoever else. And I've been in like the little drafts because when I was doing the internship, they were doing, I'm not giving too much game here. (laughs) (laughs) But they definitely do draft the games. And so people are like, well, I'm interested in Jackson State. And if they, and the viewership numbers, if they know the fans are going to tune in or try to find it, they're like, well, send that camera crew out there and record them over. And maybe instead of watching the Boise State, Idaho or something like that. Yeah, right, let's go ahead and uh, turn on Jackson State. It's going to be what is going to be very interesting is once Shador leaves, can you still are we doing because Shador is such like a big name, obviously, beats by Dre Game a deal. He's such a big name that you're going to you're tuning in, even if you're not Dion. Okay, Dion's a great coach, but who are the players going to be? We know a lot of these guys transfer from Alabama, Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. But Shador's yeah. a big name. So people want to see Shador. Let me see if he's going to end up uh, getting probably end up getting drafted but maybe give you a high pick or whatnot but who is the next quarterback that can slide into that slot i yeah. personally think you, either, you got two options you get a top league a, a highly recruited high school kid such as what's the cornerback for uh Jackson um, you said that he goes to jackson state yeah travis hunter that's his name oh yeah yeah, yeah. travis hunter yeah him as a quarterback to therefore be able to succeed or shador or you need to get a guy that was highly ranked coming out of uh, high school, went to one of the top universities. Maybe yeah, you need to pay it You know, a great last chance you, what was the guy that played under um, the white guy at last year? Oh, uh, Malik, Malik Henry? One of him. Yeah. A guy that goes to Florida State but doesn't pan out. And he, instead of, like, let's say him going to Nevada, he goes to Jackson State where he can put yep. up big numbers and then people will still tune in. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Right. Right. One thing, as long as you deal with young people in sports, there's always going to be somebody where something goes wrong and they'll need some place to go. So that, and it also, I guess, how long can they keep Dion from the Power Fives? Facts. That, that's, that, I think that's when, when Shadur leaves, that's the toss that's going to start heating up. It's like, is Dion even going to stay? Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like he didn't already brought too much to that program to just be here for four or five years and then leave. Like, I yeah, think he might do a good 10 before he tries to, to step, you know, into like that power five world. And then if he's done all of this, this like in this short amount of time, you give like a 10 year stay. Hopefully that foundation of HBCU football, the attention, because the foundation always been there, they always have good players, but the attention, yeah. you'll have so many more players being drafted or get invited to combines and stuff. So that therefore, by the time he leaves, the foundation has been set. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's gonna make that, that big difference, man. Once them, once them, you know, I know Jackson State. I think had a couple guys get drafted last year, but once just 
period, you start seeing like, oh man, HBCUs had you know 20, 25 something guys drafted, and guys, because I feel like that's more than anything why guys kind of you know strayed away from it. Because I mean, you know, we get the the power five schools got the big TV deals, you know, whatever, you know, school sponsorships, but it's like. At the end of the day, some guys got their main goal of trying to get to the league, and they probably felt like going to HBCU just puts me at a horrible, you know, in a you know horrible position right. to get there. So, but yeah. But if I feel like I can go there, and then I can be like the one of the not the first, but almost to get this thing back going again. Yeah. A lot of guys yeah. would rather be the, the the what is it the big fish in the small pond mm-hmm. as opposed to like going to the big and just being another guy. Yeah, just another league. guy. Yeah. Get a great yeah. experience, all this, that, and the third. So we're going to keep it moving here. Last topic for college football, we just got two for the NFL. Um, Kansas football. I found myself turning down watching other games to watch Kansas football because I just want to know what the hype was about. Yeah. Like, what yeah. is going in Kansas? Where we always known them for the longest to be a basketball school. They're performing at a high level football. Even in that loss to TCU, where they lost the final game with 38-31 TCU. Kansas plays good football and it's exciting. Yeah. They're airing it out. Receivers are making great plays. It's the stadium full of the fans almost don't seem like they know what to do to be in the uh they're like not <laughs> yeah. <in> the arena. <laughs> like, what are we doing out here? This ain't the music. Yeah. Like, what's going on? But uh what'd you think about Kansas seasons thus far? Although they took this loss this year, uh yeah. Les Miles still the coach there? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he is. Okay, who, who the heck? Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, we need to. Because I know, I know Les, uh, he was I know he had that whole little situation. Um, yeah, somebody named Lance, Lance Leopold. That's how you say his name? Yeah, because I remember Les was there because the ESPN did a, uh, ESPN did a little special, like a followed them for the year. And I thought Les Miles was there, but I, did, I just didn't know that coach was. But hey, what you think about Kansas football, though? Oh yeah, you now nah, you, you uh yeah I'm I'm right there with you, Matt. Like it's it's not just you know them boys is going undefeated and that's it. Uh, even prior to the losses weekend, um you know they actually playing you know a, a good brand of football out there. Um this game might have turned out different. I I think their starting quarterback uh, Jalen Daniels got hurt kind of early in the game, um and you know wasn't able to finish it. It looked like something on his throwing shoulder, which you know I, I hope for, I hoping for the best for that. You know that never looks good. Um. But yeah, man, it's it's yeah, it's, it's exciting to see it. Um, it's always exciting to see those programs who, like you said, our whole life we just you know they've been in bottom feeders, like you know, never really looked at them as such. Like we used to turning on the Kansas game, you know, seeing nothing but just gray bleachers because it ain't no fans in the stands. So they, you kind of can't help but to you know root for them a little bit when you see when you know some of these lesser programs come up and and start to play a lot better ball. Um. But yeah, man, it's a, a coach can really just turn a whole, you know, a, a whole culture around, um, you know, and it doesn't always have to be through recruiting because, I mean, yeah, Les Miles was just there a few years ago. So I know, you know, his new coach hadn't been there uh, but for so long. Um, but for him to come in this quick and, and you know, turn it around like he has, you, you definitely got to tip your hat to him. Um, but, you know, you kind of also got to wonder how long they can keep it up for um, being, you know, in, in the conference that they're in. Um, because you know it's, it's you know the same situation like we talk about with with other schools competing against bigger schools in that conference. Um, you know, can you recruit at the same level they can? Um, but I mean, this will definitely help. You know, with guys coming and, and seeing Kansas actually does have a little bit of you know culture and football. Um, so yeah, man, it, it's been exciting to see them this year though. 
Yeah, no, it's been crazy to watch them. Like I said, they did lose to TCU, but it was an exciting game with their backup quarterback. Hats, definitely got to tip your hat to Kansas football. And game day was there. The last time game they've been to Kansas for college football, never. So uh, <laughs> crazy to think that. I think a lot of times we think, is, that, is Kansas the one with a lot of uh, nice receivers, a lot of Jugos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Butler, <laughs> Butler. Butler, Um, I can't remember the one uh the blue and white school. I can't remember. Oh, um, is it Hutch? That's where, like, Kamara and them boys went, Hutch Community College. And then there's independence out there as well? I think so. Yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, all them big time Jukos out there. So crazy. So, did, did, I, you know, I'll be listening to Jason Brown. Sometimes I'm going to go back and watch some old last chance <laughs> to see. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's always fun watching them. And Tom's like, our time is counting down. So, we're going to do like, remember how they used to show back in the day? You'd be at the barbershop, like cold pizza, stuff like that. Yeah. It's like around the horn and stuff. Yeah. So just yeah. give me like a quick uh, take uh, on these two topics. First one Panthers head coach out, Matt Rule out after leaving Baylor. What is that? Temple, then Baylor, right? Was it, uh, how, was it Baylor? Yeah, I think it was Baylor. I think it was Baylor. Yeah. We might be wrong on that. We might be wrong. No, I'm gonna, no we ain't going to be the one. We got to do that. <laughs> uh, Matt Rule. I, I think it was Baylor, though. Matt Rule that went there, tried out the NFL. Looks like they've been unsuccessful yeah. after their career. What you think? Uh, about time. I mean, it never really looked like they were heading it. I mean, since Rule got, you know, hired, it never really looked like they were headed in any sort of, you know, upward direction. Um, so yeah, man, that, that's what I say about that, about time. I mean, I hope, you know, Carolina hires the right guy. They can bring that, that life back to the city. Cause I mean, we, we saw how Charlotte was in 2015, 2016 when Cam had them boys, uh, you know, about to go undefeated and on a Super Bowl run. So I hope they can, you know, bring that type of energy back. Yeah. It looks like he had a one and four start and they just put decided to pull the plug on him. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to look at that amount of money. I know it's a significant amount of money. They were talking about he's about to get paid. Yeah, they they yeah he, they own like 40 mil. It's crazy not to be the head coach yeah. of the Panthers. And then real quick, let me ask you this: Does Baker Mayfield return next season? And Baker better Baker better lock in on that Ryan Fitzpatrick role, man, and 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 just accept that Baker role. I feel like that. I feel like that's the role for him in the NFL, Matt. Because I mean, you know, he got that whole little underdog mentality thing behind him, so. I think he'll be that guy where, you know, your quarterback gets hurt. You can come in for five, six games, you know, maybe have you three and three, four and two after those couple of games. And then, you know, you start a company and, and, you know, finish off the job. So, man, I think that's about the ceiling for Baker right now, man. But it is not looking good at all. Tough sledding right now for Baker. And then last topic, Thomas, real quickly here. Ron Rivera basically saying the reason if you look around, I think the, the question was kind of posed in a way it's like, like, if you look around the, the league, like, why are the rest, of, or at least y'all's division, why are the rest of the teams playing better than the Washington football team? And yeah. uh, and uh, Ron Rivera just basically said quarterback play. Basically, completely throwing his quarterback, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Plus, like, this yeah. guy just, you ain't making it happen. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, hey, I was surprised, man. It's rare to see a coach throw his, his quarterback under the bus like that. You know, guy who's supposed to be, like, the franchise guy, leader of your team or whatever. Um Man, yeah, I was surprised by that, but he, I mean, he ain't lying though. Uh, he ain't lying. That's definitely what's separating those teams in in, in that NFC division. You know what? You know the Cowboys got Cooper Rush coming in, balling. Um, which like that? That's the role Baker needs to be looking for right there. Coming like Cooper Rush, going to feed for a couple games, get out of there. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Cooper Rush, Jalen Hurts, um, even Daniel Jones got the Giants at four and one right now. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, he ain't, he's right, but, yeah, I don't think that was a good move throwing your quarterback under the bus like that. But kind of like I mentioned to you all here before the show, it's, it's odd to me that in Indianapolis last year, they coach kind of did the same thing regarding Carson Wentz, where it's like at the end of the year they asked him a question, um, and he he kind of – not word for it, but essentially he was on some stuff like if, if I could, you know, pick another quarterback over him, I'd do it again. Um, so, yeah, man, I – uh, it, it might not just be something on the field with wings. You know, it might it might be some, some other stuff off the field in that locker room we don't know about. So, yeah, that was interesting to see for sure, though. Hey, it's been tough sledding since Wentz has having that great year and got injured with the Eagles. And, man, since Nick Foles won the uh, – that what was it? Won the Super Bowl quarter? It's with the, yeah. He was MVP of that Super Bowl, right, Nick Foles? Probably so. You know, they all get the quarterback. Yeah, that's a quarterback role right there. And just real quickly here, man, this Crosby, we watch Monday Night Football as we're filming this. Crosby has been dominant. Crosby yeah. is in for the uh, Raiders. The I don't Raiders. know that much yeah. Raiders, so I, I don't know about them quite as much. But, you know, yeah, man, Adams, yeah. gonna do what he's going to do. But, man, oh, man, Crosby's been all over the field as a defense hand. But, y'all, we are just about out of time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Another episode, y'all. You just don't know. We're gonna keep you off guard. Sometimes we're gonna do Sunday. Sometimes I'll be out Monday. Sometimes I'll be out Tuesday. The later we come out, the more information, the better. Probably, you know, thoughts that have come out because we just have more time to chew on them. Right. That's all we got. That's all we got this week. Tom, you got anything else? Yeah, man. Hey, shout out, shout out my dog TJ, man. TJ Blander. TJ one of hey, one of our main supporters, man. Like every time we drop a show, TJ send me a screenshot once he get done listening. So, hey, love the, love the support from my boy TJ. He played for Lenore Ryan. He got his first pick this weekend. Yeah, the interception. Um, so yeah. I seen it. Yeah, seen yeah. It. Yeah, so I got to shout out my boy, man. I grew up with TJ. We grew up in the in the, uh, in the neighborhood together, Summer Pines, back in Blackwood. That's my dog for sure, man. I'm proud of him. So, yeah, I got to shout out my boy. Is he corner safety? What? Yeah, he a corner. Shout out the corner lockdown on his island. Shout out TJ. Yes, we appreciate you listening. But, uh, sure. y'all, that's all we have for this week. I did see the interception on your story. Tom is always going to get everybody yeah. out there. But uh, shout out him, Lenore Ryan. They had, that really, they had a safety that was picked or corner. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Kyle Douglas. He played for the Patriots. Hey, still in the league. We love to see it. Shout yeah. out the underdogs. Always shout out the underdogs. Y'all, thanks for tuning in to another week's episode. We'll be back next week. But until next time, peace. Huh. I've been here to chat a quick. You know, I've been here no mumbling. <laughs> Tell them niggas speak up, though. I bet them niggas can't do what I do. I bet them niggas can't, you know what I'm saying? Pop it high, pop it. Hey, flip flop side, you hit a bitch, no condom. I been serving white, but Adam, no jump. Seven full of boxes, everybody getting money. Then we gon' get a whole lot of more of that this summer. Run it up to the money, count and get it done. Bank money, got paper, cuss on my thumb. Taking my little boy to school with a gun. Sad that I gotta walk around.